Um, and he's dragged off the bridge by Balrog's whip to his presumable death. I say presumable because these movies are 20 years old. And also we all heard um, the ultimate battle of ultimate destiny um, when we were 12. Do you not know what I'm talking no, about? No, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's all oh, and get off the gray and get off the right and Monty Python and the Holy Grail's Black Knight. Wow, man. Can you tell that we were on the Internet in 2006? Whew. And Benito Mussolini and the Blue Meanie. Um, and Cowboy Cardus and John Boy the Gene or something. Fuck me. Yeah. We gotta stop. Uh-huh. We gotta stop. <laughs> Welcome to Mortified, the friendship quest a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a wet-ass orc. And this week, we begin our trek across Middle-earth with the Fellowship of the Ring. Before we try to remember a bunch of fantasy bullshit words, remember you can help us unmortify the legitimacy quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr, at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. I think it's time we did another series, you know? Yeah, we did all the Fast movies, which we're going to be dipping back into that well mm-hmm, next month mm-hmm. when Fast 10 comes out. Uh, we did uh, Twilight. We did Twilight. So next logical step from there is uh, Lord of the Rings, obviously. <laughs> you know, the foundation of modern fantasy. Uh, let's let's talk about it. Now, um, I wanted to talk about Lord of the Rings for a couple reasons. One, you know, they just had that whole Rings of Power Amazon show that came out that apparently nobody watched. Um, I don't know. I, I After watching this, I was like, man, maybe I should go and check that out. Because I do, I, this reminded me, I do really like the Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I figured we're, our, our, our series series, you know, our, our explanation of these like long running projects, I feel like really helps us contextualize like an era or a style of storytelling, right? Um, you know, not only did our Twilight series really help us understand like the the final bubble of the YA boom that kind of like culminated with Hunger Games. Well, technically the Divergent thing, but you know, the, the Divergent was more the nail in the coffin. Um, and, um, you know, the Fast and the Furious is like, this is kind of like the big American action blockbuster that's fun, dumb, and, and just like full of like w- what, you know, Americans value, which is family and, and pricey cars. <laughs> um, and like, I feel like this is like a, will be a pretty good way for us to understand, like, not only just like f- fantasy, you know, I'm, I'm really into the tabletop scene, right? Dungeons and Dragons is very heavily influenced by Tolkien's work. Um, but also like, you know, fantasy filmmaking, right? Because like famously, like, you know, for the next, after this series came out for like the next 10, you know, until Marvel came along, people were trying to emulate this sort of thing for a bit and like nobody could, could kind of like get close. Um, so yeah, Layla, what what's your history with the Lord of the Rings? I watched two of them on a train once, and then I didn't watch the third one because I had undiagnosed ADHD, and these movies are a nightmare if you have that. <laughs> and then uh, in college, my friends would take me to see the Hobbit movies at the midnight premiere, and I fell into this pattern where I would fall asleep during the first one and then only see it when we went to see the double feature the following year. Interesting. So I fell asleep during the Hobbit, 
And then I watched The Hobbit and fell asleep during the second one. And then I watched the first two, and then I fell asleep during the third one. I don't think I've ever seen So you, you haven't seen the third of either of these? <laughs> nope, I have not. <laughs> Incredible. You have no sense of where this resolves. That's very good. Um, <laughs> I, I find them fundamentally confusing. <laughs> and I think they are, and we'll talk about that. Um, but, like, let's... Let's figure out how, how we feel about The Lord of the Rings, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, this is the 2001 version. Uh, for listeners who maybe are big into the extended cuts, we're not watching the extended cuts. They're too fucking long. Um, sorry, we're busy. Um, i actually never seen the entire extended cuts of, of, of the original, just the second movie for some reason. But anyway, uh, maybe one day. Uh- I watched the extended cuts of both of the first two movies. Okay, well, there's your issue. <laughs> yeah, on a train to Albany no. in, like, 2015. That's too long. Yeah, never watched the third one. Listen, um, I'm sure they're great. Yeah, I couldn't remember a look of them. Uh, so good good that I'm doing the summary this time around, because you can interject with context. Mm-hmm, so. 100%. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, is the first movie. So I'm, I'm emphasizing that for chuckle fucks like me, who are stupid. Uh, so it opens with the arrival of Gandalf the Grey, because he's wearing grey. Uh, he arrives in the shower for Bilbo Baggins' 111th birthday. Yes. Did you call it the shower? The shire! I heard the shower, and I was like... <laughs> we are really off to the races here. <laughs> yeah. No, in a couple of those scenes, though, he could the use sin- the shower. Yeah, but, no, um, they're very smelly in some ca- cases. No, the Shire. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh God, I'm not that. <laughs> I, I know what the Shire is. I, I'm losing it. My wife's been <laughs> gone for several days, and I'm starting to get hallucinations. <laughs> to a great start. Anyway, Bilbo announces he's he's leaving. Uh, during his very drama queen, very stunt queen birthday speech, um, which I love. His birthday is the size of a wedding. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he uses the one ring to rule them all to vanish. Uh, and Gandalf catches on to his sneaky little hobbit tricks. And he catches them, and he convinces them to uh, put that shit down. Don't take the ring with you, Bilbo, in... Uh, a very good, very tense scene where I did think that if Bilbo did not put the ring down, Gand- Gandalf would kick his ass a little bit. Yeah, um, I-, I really like how Gandalf is portrayed here in these first couple, in this first movie, right? Because you never really know what his magic like is, right? Um, I-, I feel like that's a thing in in maybe the last couple decades of fantasy writing is like it got like magic systems have become a real big thing like magic is completely able to be understood by a series of laws and rules whereas with gandalf it's just like i'm not sure what he can do but he's fucking scary if he wants to be yeah same with uh saruman uh right it's very nebulous mm-hmm. like what they can do and how they do it mm-hmm. Um, which I think is fine. I think it's okay if magic is vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gandalf, uh, who cannot touch the ring, uh, because he, he thinks it will wield uh, too much evil, awful power through him, gives the ring instead to Bilbo's nephew Frodo, a young, youthful, supple Elijah Wood. Yeah, this you could spread this Elijah Wood could be spread over so much bread. He is buttery smooth. Um, he truly looks like he's sixteen years old. He is the babyest Elijah Wood I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I thought Elijah Wood has not aged much. No, he's aged in comparison yeah, no, to, to like, this. 
like even at like what he's probably like what 40 now and he still looks like he's 20 but like here he looks like he just got out of middle school yeah he just got off the big yellow bus and, and he's coming over um so uh he gives her the frodo they confirm that it's the one ring uh and uh that frodo is therefore in danger because the Dark Lord Sauron is becoming powerful and is sending his minions to go get it back. Because Sauron is the only one who can uh, wield the, the one true ring. I, I want to talk now. about the one ring before we get into the, the good characters. Um, so it starts with a prologue, right? Um, and, you know, we get a bunch of this, like, Middle-Earth history in the first, like, five minutes, which is like, pretty impressive considering, you know, Tolkien has written, like, literally hundreds and thousands of words about what happens before this. But, like... Uh, you know, what did you? What is the sense you got of the One Ring? You know, at this point in the the film. Uh, okay. I, I mean, at this point in the film, you can tell that it's very powerful and it's very spooky, but it's unclear what it actually does, other than turn people invisible and take them to like this weird spirit nether realm where Sauron can say scary things to them. Right. I think that's really interesting. Right. That that for Frodo and I guess Bilbo also, it turns you invisible. Um, but, like, when we see in the prologue, like, it doesn't turn Sauron invisible. It gives him the ability to do psychic blasts, <laughs> um, which is very funny. But also, it's like, it, I don't get really get a sense why the One Ring is powerful, like, throughout this entire series, right? We never really see why the ring is so magically powerful, like, why everybody thinks it'll give them the strength to conquer the world. Um, but, like, I really love the sense of menace. Like, the fact that Gandalf, you know, this scary wizard, is so afraid of it. And he, like, he, he leaves it on the floor when Bilbo drops it, right? He cannot stand to touch it. I really like that as a method of being, like, we have no fucking idea what this does. But, like, even, um, you know, Ian McKellen is just going to stay the fuck away from it. Well, I mean, you understand kind of what it does, right? Because in the prologue, they talk about the three rings given to mm -hmm. the elves and the mm -hmm. five rings given to the dwarves and the nine rings given to the men. And the men become corrupted. And this is the one ring to rule them all and blah, blah, blah in the darkness bind, mm -hmm. right? So it is, it's very much, it's a king of kings ring. Right, uh, right. It's it's uh, the thing that lets you have total power because you were a tricksy little Sauron. Mm -hmm. when, when the rings are forged, you were like, teehee, I'm going to make one more. It's stronger than all the other ones. Um, I like is like a nebulous fantasy concept. I think that's fun. Um, but for me, like, we'll talk about it. But, mm -hmm. but it's interesting to see how this differs from like the modern fantasies that we're right. used to. One hundred percent. So, Gandalf, uh, who, by the way, is characterized as a stoner, which I just <laughs> love. Um, and uh, Frodo, uh. Well, no, hold on. This is we, where we get Sam. This is where we get, yeah, I skipped a sentence. Him. Uh, so as uh, Gandalf and Frodo are discussing the fate of the universe and, and the world and how bad it will be if Sauron gets the ring back, uh, Samwise Ganji, Frodo's gardener, is dropping some eaves outside the window, and Gan Gandalf drags him in. Uh, and is basically like, hmm, what have you heard? And Sam was like, nothing, nothing important except everything. <laughs> and uh, Gandalf at that point is, uh, decides to appoint him as Frodo's bodyguard. And he says, do not lose him, Samwise Gamgees. And that's important. We'll come back to that at the end. Um, but yeah, uh, so the, our two hobbitses, they're off to the races. They have to stay off the roads. They must traverse now to the village of Bree where they shall meet Gandalf at the Prancing Pony. Um, 
they run into my favorite characters, Mary and Pippin, along the way. Uh, and Mary and Pippin are stealing vegetables from a garden. They're stealing they're them stupid. from Farmer Maggot, which is the funniest name to give a farmer. It's like, this farmer is, this is farmer dipshit. Fuck this guy. <laughs> Thank Fuck you. Fuck this asshole. <laughs> and they didn't even cast anyone to be Farmer Maggot. He's just like a home yeah. the <laughs> uh, Which is just a great place to save money in this like multi-million dollar. Right. Like, like this incredible. is, this is every like famous actor from the last 10, you know, like, this is Christopher Lee. This is Orlando Bloom, right? Like, insane, insane casting here. Yeah, so they, the four of them, accidentally fall onto the road where three of the four hobbitses uh, get distracted by mushrooms. Uh, and then they run into the Nazgul for the first time, the ring wraiths. And they get chased all the way to the village of Bree, where they're supposed to end up and meet Gandalf. Uh, and uh, they go to the Prancing Pony. Where they find out that Gandalf has not been there for six months. Mm-hmm, and instead, mm-hmm. they meet a handsome, shadowy ranger named Strider, uh, who helps them uh, evade the Nazgul, who come and stab four beds full of pillows. It's uh, really funny. <laughs> um, it, like, that scene played well when I was a kid, but now I think it's very silly that, like, they do just kind of, like, try to trick the audience to thinking that they're all just kind of sleeping in the same beds. And then when the Nazgul like obliterate these pillows, they like wake up and they hear their like, you know, evil screams. Um, I don't know. I, I think that seems very silly, but I do, I do love that the Nazgul are just like big, scary ghosts with swords. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was fun. Uh, it was, I think Lord of the Rings shines when it's a little silly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it when it's super self-serious. I get quite bored. But um, but these these moments of just uh, Strider being being like, "Boo! What if we stuff pillows in the Hobbit beds?" Mm-hmm. And the, the the scary ring wraiths will absolutely be fooled. <laughs> it doesn't make sense in the world. No, is it fun? Sure. Um, uh, so they get snuck out of the city. They go to this uh, mountain fortress. But again, the hobbits are a little bit dumb and end up cooking at midnight. And they get cornered by the Nazgul. And uh, Frodo is stabbed by their poison sword. Um, this is the first of two Frodo stabbings. Yeah, I mean, Elijah uh, gets punctured throughout this film. He really does. Goddamn ventilated. Uh, aerated. <laughs> um, so Strider... It takes Frodo to see his hot elf girlfriend, uh, Arwen, who uh, owns the Nazgul with water horses, uh, and takes Frodo to Isengard, the city of elves. N- incorrect. Uh, where her... um, it's no. It's not. Is it Rivendell? Rivendell. Rivendell. Yes. Isengard, Isengard is where Christopher. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna Listen, get it. Listen, you're names. doing great. This, Thank this you. This is you know this is something I've been learning for like literally decades. <laughs> and I've had two and a half hours. Right. Exactly. <laughs> He ta- sorry, I had the phrase, he's taking the hobbits to Isengard. Yes, there we go. Yep, yeah, it's fine. Arwen takes Frodo to Rivendell, where her dad heals him, even though the wound is going to be with him for the rest of his life. He's going to be up on his feet. Um, I would like to know that Samwise Gamgee never left that boy's bed. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He's been with him the whole time. Right. Um, famously on Tumblr, there's always this gift set that goes around of um, the actor, I think it's Sean Astin, um, it's something Aston who who's telling the the documentary crew like, oh yeah, um, Ian McKellen told me to grab Frodo's hand at this point uh, because the readers will be looking for that. 
um and everybody's like oh uh, ian mckellen actually directed these movies <laughs> and um i was watching some of those behind the scenes things today and i was like and that that's i saw that bit and i was like man they really want to hit home how like deep this emotional connection between frodo and sam is huh yeah it's for for mcfucking sure uh, so this is where the series lost me the first time, but I think with the power of Google Docs and note-taking, I got through it. A bunch of other people show up to discuss what to do with the ring, including Sean Bean as Boromir and Orlando Bloom as Legolas. Yep. So I'm going to run everyone through the fucking Fellowship of the Ring for everyone who's as dumb as I am. Ready? There are four hobbits involved. You got Frodo who's the ring bearer. You got Sam, his boyfriend, slash bodyguard. Then you got uh, Mary and Pippin. You don't need to tell them apart. Just just know Mary and Pippin. They're together. Yet. It's fine. No, later. <laughs> whatever. For now, don't worry yes, about it. Yes, right now they're fine. I finished the entire first movie without being able to tell them apart. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, then you have Gandalf, right? Mm-hmm. Then, so I got five. Four more. Yep. So then you have two humans. Right. Quote, unquote, Strider, who's Aragorn. Correct. Uh, Boromir, they are both from the same city, the name of which I'm blanking on and will come back to me. One of them is like the uh, steward of it. I don't know. I watched a lore video, so I don't know that they're from the same city, but like the Aragorn's technically Boromir's king. It's fine. It doesn't matter. But, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they both know of this. They talk about the same city. Yeah. Also. Uh, and then you have Gimli the dwarf. Mm-hmm. Dwarf. I can pronounce that correctly. That's a normal word. And Legolas the Elf. Right. And those, that is the Fellowship of the Ring. There's Correct. nine of them. You got crushed and it. Crushed it. And so they all show up as part of this, like, super secret council. And they decide what to do with the ring. And Gimli is like, oh, we're going to shatter it? Fuck it, I'll do it right <laughs> Extremely good. This is a great bit of characterization. It's like, how do we figure out, how do we show the audience what Gimli's like? Oh, he tries to take the most powerful magical artifact in the world and bust it with his hammer and immediately gets his ass kicked by it. It's really good. Yeah, his fucking axe or whatever explodes yeah. in his face. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and so they collectively decide... Frodo shall carry it to Mount Doom. So good. Great. Like, J.R.R. Tolkien, like, literally wrote whole languages for his worlds, like, multiple different languages, and it's like, yeah, that's Mount Doom. It's the evil mountain. <laughs> the beautiful forest of Lothlorien. Right. Right, and then you got Mount Doom. Listen, it has a real name, but, like, they never say it in the films, and it's very good that they don't. I would like to take umbrage also with a flashback we get around this time mm-hmm. um, because uh, Arwen's dad. Right. El- talks Elrond. Elrond. Hugo Weaving. Talks about- oh, Hugo. He did a great job. He did. Uh, performances in this movie, A+. Plus. Right. Elrond talks about how he took the ring all the way up Mountain Doom with, what's his face? Isildur. Isildur. Uh, and Isildur at the last second decided not to throw the ring into Mount Doom to destroy it. Bitch, why didn't you push him in? So, you just push him in. So that's interesting. You haven't seen the last... You haven't seen how this film ends. This franchise ends, right? No. Hmm. Why didn't you just push him in? Interesting. Hold on to that thought. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Maybe that'll come up in movie three. Oh, excellent. Because he was right there, within arm's distance, for a while. It would have been really, in. really funny if Elrond was like, yeah, I mean, uh... 
Isildur, he, uh, he, he slipped. Yeah, it fucking sucked. Um, he, ripped to a king. Yeah, ripped to uh, your king, human specifically. But anyway, uh, ring's gone. Ring's gone. All right, we're good. We're chill. 3,000 years of peace. Um, so as we all decide that Frodo's going to take uh, the ring to Mordor uh, in Mount Doom, uh, everybody pledges their weapons to Frodo and... Oh, surprise! Bilbo's there! Bilbo has suddenly aged. Uh, It was cool. In the beginning, uh, Gandalf immediately noticed that Bilbo hadn't aged in a while. And as soon as Bilbo gave up the ring, he's hobbling with a cane. Yep. yep. Um, And he's also still very afflicted by the ring Mm -hmm. when he sees it around Frodo's neck. He tries to lunge for it. Uh, And he gives Frodo a mithril shirt, which is, uh, I think... Whiter than diamond and stronger than dragon scales, if I remember correctly. Uh, something like that. Yeah, the dragon scales part is right. I don't know about the harder than diamond first... or something like that. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. It's a magic a shirt. Link. It's a magic chain It's shirt. cool. It's cool. It's very, it's pretty. It's great. Uh, so their road trip is immediately derailed by Gandalf's ex-boss, Saruman, uh, who wrecks all of their shit. <laughs> by the way, Saruman uh, betrayed everyone. He is, pledged his powers to Sauron. Uh, here's another place where the franchise used to lose me. Saruman and Sauron mm-hmm. are too fucking close. Yeah, listen. All the names sound the same. Very much Elden Ring in that, like, all the names are the same. Oh, Radon, Radagon. Right. <clears throat> I'm 200 hours in. I'm just beginning to tell them apart. Mm-hmm. And still, I fuck them up every once in a while. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, Saruman has betrayed everybody. He's raising an army for uh, Sauron. It's just a thing he's doing now. Sure. Um, so instead of the mountain, where because uh, the mountain kicked their ass, they decide to go through the, the mounds of Moria, uh, where Gimli's cousin lives. Uh, this is bad, because the moment they get into the mounds of Moria by saying the password, which is Melon... It's supposed to be... Because it's it's putting a little (laughs) accent on Milan is not doing it for me. Listen, like Tolkien, again, master wordsmith, invented the entire Elvish language. The word for friend, the password, uh, is Melon, (laughs) and it's really good. Um, Melon with two L's. I love it. I love Lord of the Rings. It's great. So when they walk in, it's sick. The lights are all off, uh, and all the dwarves are like, they've been dead. Right. Like for they're, like been... months, it's it's so funny that they're just like, oh man, we're gonna have we're gonna have meat that falls off the bone, we're gonna have malt beer, and then there's like, hey Gimli, <laughs> can we talk about your family's decorating choices? They are grim. <laughs> Gimli, it's a little bit spirit Halloween in here. <laughs> uh, yeah, they might as well put a, a spirit Halloween banner over the the mines of Moria at this point. Great. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so the vines are empty and full of dead dwarves, uh, but they have fun new denizens uh, that are triggered by one of my favorite moments in the film, which is Mary. I think I think it's Pippin, actually. I think Pippin. Yes, it's Pippin, because Mary is a little bit smarter than Pippin. Yeah, Pippin is dumb as rocks. Pippin tries to pluck something shiny from a corpse and knocks the whole loud-ass thing down the well. Not only the first the head and the helmet, then the whole body, then the chain and the bucket for the well. 
it's a really good scene because it's like a full 45 seconds of this dude falling down the well and everybody in the party just wincing as the continues to echo and rattle and then after there's just like a long silence and then Gandalf's like I wish you had just thrown yourself in you dumb motherfucker that's also the last thing Gandalf says to him which is devastating yeah cause uh so the place is infested with goblins uh, and, uh, our fellowship has to fight everyone off, uh, just the nine of them versus, like, a little army. Uh, <laughs> fucking Frodo gets aerated again, but he's wearing the mithril shirt, so it's cool and fine. Um, and, with the cave troll. Uh, Gandalf, as they're escaping towards some bridge that has a name, uh, too many names for things, just say bridge, just say the bridge. I think it's the Bridge of Casa Doom. I'm not sure, sure. though. Sure. That sounds correct to me. So they head for this bridge, and there's a cool staircase that's falling apart, and they have to make jumps, and they're getting shot at. And uh, there's a big fire following them, and Gandalf uh, is the one. This is the you shall not pass. Right, This right. is the moment. This is the, the, the famous, famous, famous line. Great delivery by Sir Ian McKellen. Um, this is where he fights off Balrog, the big flame demon. Um, and he's dragged off the bridge by Balrog's whip to his presumable death. I say presumable because these movies are 20 years old, and also we all heard, um, the ultimate battle of ultimate destiny, um, when we were 12. Do you not know what I'm talking no, about? No, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's, oh, and Gandalf the Grey, and Gandalf the Right, and Monty Python, and the Holy Grail's Black Knight. Wow, man, can you tell that we were on the internet in 2006? Whew. And Benito Mussolini and the Blue Meanie. Um, and Cowboy Cardus and John Boy the Gene or something. Fuck me. Yeah. We gotta stop. Uh-huh. We gotta stop. So, I know about Gandalf the White thanks to mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. ultimate battle of ultimate destiny. Um, we're doing great. We are. Holy shit. So, uh, the rest of the fellowship keeps going until they reach Lothlorien where they're ambushed by more elves and bad bitch supreme Kate uh, Blanchett as, oh my god, her name starts with a G. Galadriel. Galadriel. Um, so uh, Frodo offers her the ring for some reason. Baby, I know you're tired, but that <laughs> was like, a bad I, move. I want to go home. Fuck this ring. My my wizard friend just died, and I saw I saw the devil. My wizard friend got killed by the devil himself. I want to go home. Please, Kate Blanchett. I know you're fresh off your role from Spazatura in Guillermo del Toro's uh, <laughs> Pinocchio. But now, as your great and dark queen, can you please just take this ring from me? I want to leave. <laughs> Truly, Frodo's having... This movie might as well just be called Frodo Baggins No Good, Very Bad, Awful Day. <laughs> It's a really Frodo, Frodo has a really bad time in this in the entire film franchise. It's none of it is a good time for Frodo. It's, no, <laughs> poor boy. So uh, Galadriel does this. Uh, this is, I think, the worst CGI in the whole movie. Right. I think the rest of the CGI really holds up. Um, but the the Galadriel's like weird control eye invert color right. thing. She, that she gets all green. Fucking. Yeah, so she, you know, she wants to be a terrible queen, beautiful as the dawn or whatever, and mm-hmm. then she's like, I passed the test, I'm gonna go west. Like, um, Alright, Which, girl. like, I wish that were me. I wish every time I had a mental breakdown, I just, like, look to the side and go, I passed the test. You can I'm gonna start. head west. Yeah, you can start doing start. that. I could, and just eventually head back uh, to, like, I don't know, get lost in the plains somewhere. I think that'd be fun. Um, Head to Yellowstone. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, she tells him that the ring will eventually corrupt everyone he travels with, and he must go toss it into Mount Doom alone. Uh, Saruman's army shows up right around here with the Urukai. Yes, the fighting yes. Urukai. They're biracial, yeah, they, a thing that bothers bi- me about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> this is our representation, mm-hmm. Aaron. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are half. Dwarven. They're half goblin, half orc. Half goblin, half orc. Yeah, yeah there we go. And uh, so I have like a weird texture thing about like snotty textures. Mm-hmm. And when that motherfucker came out of his little sack, yeah. I was gonna barf. <laughs> These movies are so close. wet. Yeah, they're so wet. On a scale of Dark Souls to Bloodborne, they're very close to Bloodborne. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Bloodborne being the wettest thing I've ever seen. Uh, if you're really brave, Google wet core. That's the thing my coworker introduced me to. Wow, anyway, you have bad coworkers. <laughs> yeah. No, he's great. Just introduced me to wet core. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Saruman's Ur- Urkai army shows up. Uh, right as Boromir tries to take the ring from Frodo again... Uh, so Boromir, by the way, his bitch ass was the first one at the council being like, give it to me, I'll use the power. Because our city's been defending all of you from Saruman for this, or for Sar- from Sauron this long. So give me the ring and I'll use it. And everyone's like, you're stupid. <laughs> In Boromir's defense, get- his, geographically, his city is like Poland compared to Russia. Like it is, like there's like a bridge right where mordor is here uh and then like his city is here there's like two halves of the city um and like his hometown is here so like they do are they are truly just like right there getting their asses kicked every single day so i feel for boromir i do feel for him but not enough we've seen what this bitch ring can do right uh, so the party fights them off. boromir is killed because it is sean bean's duty to die in every fucking franchise he is in he dies in morrowind he dies here he dies there he dies everywhere sean bean just just gets roles that kill him we love to see it. um well you know it's bittersweet he's an excellent actor <laughs> um so uh Bormer's killed mary and pippin are kidnapped sam sam follows frodo in the most romantic sequence ever put to film uh, Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn resolve to rescue the hobbits after they lay Boromir to rest. That is, uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. So overall, what are, what are your feelings about it? I think it's a fascinating watch of for cultural anthropology because it's simply not my type of fantasy, but it is interesting to see where all the tropes come from and such. Um, I think that one of the things that really stood out to me was that there there was a sense of kind of staged inorganic storytelling in parts of it that just it doesn't exist as much anymore anymore in in modern fantasy. So for the thing that jumps out at me is the scene with Arwen and Aragorn on the bridge where Arwen gives him her pretty necklace that apparently has a name and is significant in some way that neither of us understand. Um they are so they're on this bridge framed by beautiful willows but it looks like they came from opposite sides of the bridge and it's a beautiful set piece but it's like you were having a conversation in an entirely different set 10 seconds ago the conversation has now flowed onto this bridge i don't understand why you're here and i don't understand how you arrived here so it just feels very staged and framed and it took me out of the the kind of emotional or of the scene just to be like why are we here 
Um, and this happens a couple of times. And I feel like fantasy nowadays has been kind of brought down to uh, a more human, naturalistic way of storytelling, which is like fantasy elements. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, I liked it. I can't, I liked it. I found it fascinating. I can't say that outside of the context of this podcast, I would want to watch it. I think that's completely fair, right? Like, I think, you know, our our culture and our media has kind of moved to a point where, like, if you're going to watch The Lord of the Rings um, and you're not already a fan of, of this sort of stuff, like, you, you kind of need it for context to understand existing fantasy. But, like, outside of that, like, you know, I think they're—I personally like them because I have a lot of nostalgia and, and I like them as, as films. But, you know, I think there's a lot of strange choices they make, right? You know, famously, Tolkien writes this franchise as, as like— a way to give England an epic story, right? This is kind of his way to try to, to, to you know, I'm not sure if this is 100% true, but like, it's my understanding that, that he wanted to do something like to do a new English epic, right? On the scale of your King Arthur or whatever. Um, and right, so it does get into like these big epic fantasy, you know, movements, right? Where you get like these weird sequences that don't make a whole lot of sense, where you get all this lore, right? Like this is a big problem that I have with with existing fantasy, which is that like everybody has a big stupid fantasy name. Um and like it, it nobody knows what you're talking about unless you go to the glossary or like read a whole history book. Um and like I think there's something to be said for that kind of storytelling. I think it's very interesting. Uh but like it, it is also very hard for your audience to parse, right? Um and like that's why, you know, I've, you know, been watching these films for you know, close to 20 years now, right? That's that's kind of why I, I have this context. I've been playing the video games and shit. Um, but, like, for, for a newcomer, very difficult to, to understand. And even, even for me, right, there's stuff where I have to go, like, okay, why is Aragorn not the king? Okay, well, technically his dad got killed by orcs, and his dad also ruled uh, the kingdom of man that was in Arnor, which is in the north. And that's different from Gondor in the south, which is also different from Rohan, who are the horse people. Anyway, like, there's so much shit going on. Um, and I think it's very interesting, but it's hard to convey in the space of a, you know, three-hour movie, even with that runtime, which is why they have a six-hour cut, right? Um, and, you know, I, I think the Lord of the Rings films are doing, you know, are, are really good pieces of filmmaking and storytelling, but they they are of a time, and I don't even think it's, like, contemporary, right? Like, the things, they don't really make films like, they haven't really made films like this since. Um, and, um... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I really, I really enjoyed going back through to them, but like, I'm wondering, you know, what what the utility of of these is going forward. I mean, like, I think again, I think they're interesting as a piece of cultural anthropology, and I do wish we had more big, stupid, like expensive fantasy films. Right? I feel like we we just don't have that anymore. But the other thing I, I couldn't help but think while I was watching this was the Rings of Power, I think, had the right idea in the sense that this story is better told as a TV show. Right. Because the format of a TV show is as such that you could, like, go to these places. Or Game of Thrones, right? There's the big famous example. You can go to all these places. You can spend time there. You can get to know the cultures and the people and the, the visual storytelling and the you know, the the whatnot and, and suddenly Gondor doesn't isn't just a name to you, right? Gondor means something. Gondor is the white walls and the silver trumpets because you've heard them and you've seen them. Mm-hmm. Same with like I think of like the big fuck off uh fantasy games that we play, right? Uh the reason Elden Ring can get a little bit 
confusing is because you see all of these places in decrepit ruin. You don't see all of these rulers in action so much. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, if you think about Breath of the Wild, which Elden Ring is very modeled after uh, in, in its structure, um, you go to Rito Village. You go to the mountain. You you can see everything. The only thing you don't get to see is Hyrule Castle, but Hyrule Castle is fairly self-explanatory if you have any context at all for, for Western fantasy. Um, so, but you, in that era of the late 90s, early 2000s, you wouldn't have gotten a Rings of Power. The closest thing you had was Doctor Who or Star Trek, these, like, low-budget, like, Firefly is the other one. These, like, kind of lowish-budget science fiction epics, which were a little bit more accessible because it's taking, like human humanity and moving it forward in time instead of taking humanity and moving it to the side in space and forward in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there just wasn't like room for like a big fuck off fantasy show to the scale that Lord of the Rings demanded. Therefore you have movies and movies. I don't think were the right um, format for this because I think you made the note that 80 minutes in, it felt like the movie was ending. Right. Right. And they, compl- they have a completely existing, like the, the books are just, they're just very long and it's very hard to do such a contained story in, in the format of a film. But like, I think that's just like TV shows weren't really right. I mean, and even today, right. I think TV shows are much more prestigious than they were like 20 years ago. But like at the time, like you, you know, if you got your thing turned into a TV show, that wasn't the same thing as, as a movie at all. Right. Like, you know, now I think it's much more the opposite where it's like a lot of people would rather have a TV show because you get that amount of time, like you're saying to, to fix the problems of having an expansive world. Um, but like, I just, it's, it is certainly like a, a testament to the fact that media was so different, like blockbuster movies, right? This is, you know, Titanic came out, what, four years before this? Like, you know, this is this is just the way media was back then. Um, and, like, uh, it, it is so... Uh, it, is, it is an interesting time capsule, I'll say. But, like, I was watching some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, and, like, I truly wish we had retained some of, like, the, the dedication to craft that this, this movie did. Like, you know cast of like 3000 um you know people working on this movie or a crew of 3000 right um like you know the um like all the stuff in hobbiton right that's all real like they built the hobbit like holes they like took a year to let the grass like grow over it to make it look grown over like the trees in um lothlorien like they just built the trees like they just had to like make them out of like paper like you know chicken wire and and like paper mache not paper mache but like they had to physically build them because like they don't have enormous trees like that in new zealand right like and they had it's just so fascinating that people you know spent so much time like actually producing the stuff which is why i feel like these films largely look great even today even when i was watching in fucking you know four three (laughs) um, aspect ratio on my 4k tv like it's still kind of held up so funny because I'm using your HBO Max account to watch these at the Cinemascope. Oh shit, they're probably on HBO Max. You're right. Oops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how I watched them on I, your account. I was watching them on my DVD that I own. Um, man, uh, media is media sure has changed. So funny. Uh, no, but truly, like a practicals, practicals just look better right that's practicals just look better not always right there are definitely cases where you need vfx Mm -hmm. but even today the mandalorian grogu is two puppets right exactly he's two fucking puppets 
and he's the most important part of that show like yeah and, and it would not work if, if there wasn't a real puppet right um it's just uh folks i just think that we should you know this is it's 2023 right there's a big conversation about ai in art and in writing and chat gpt is, is becoming a real thing and like listen i unfortunately i don't think any of that stuff's going away um no, it's Pandora's out of her fucking box. Right. I just wish that we were using this kind of stuff to free up people to do actual, like, meaningful work that, that like, you know, gave them time to actually put their heart and soul into a craft instead of just making one person do the work of four people. Um, My USDA grass-fed beef with AI primarily always and forever will be that as long as AI is contributing to the accumulation of profits to the 1%, instead of alleviating the work burden on the rest of us, making life easier, making it more efficient, making it easier to live so that we can enjoy the fruits of our labor, that I will always fundamentally have a problem with AI. It's not about the tech, it's about the use case. Right, exactly. There's absolutely a a way in which AI can be used that benefits people, but because of the system of capital we live in, it's just not going to, and that's why we kind of have to oppose it um, for as long as we can. Uh, but like s- stuff like this, like they hired like 3000 people for to work on this production and it looks great. And it, it became a classic of, of English cinema for a reason. And like, I don't know, I'm just I'm wondering, you know, Layla, if you had the ability to create, you know, either your own property or give a property you love this kind of vast, expansive, like epic treatment like that Lord of the Rings got, um, what would you want to do? an excellent question um i can Do you have one off the top of the dome uh, yeah i'm thinking about you know for so for this personally right like i i, I wrote a book that probably isn't ever going to get published but it was like what if india colonized britain with big mechs right with big animal mechs and like i would love to see some like practical effects like people actually having to build mecha like props i think that would be fucking sick as hell there's a bunch of like reenactors with like actual powder rifles and then also they have big robot props i think that would be sick um i'm trying to think of something because like uh, i think you really need to lean into like the big epic fantasy scale of of this sort of thing in order to to justify like having such a large crew um i think it might be the poppy war i would love to see rf kuang get this kind of franchise treatment with just like hundreds of uh, you know people crafting individual like soldiers armor and like actually making to do like practical effects with the fire and the shamans and shit and like or or, like the naval battles in dragon republic like that would be so cool um so yeah i mean new line cinema if you want to make you know a billion dollars turn the poppy war into into one of these things because that'd be fucking incredible or Warner Brothers at this point. Jesus Christ, I hate the future. <sighs> yeah. Well, uh, I think, yeah, I, so for not my own property, I think I would love to see, similarly, similar era of modern fantasy writing, I would love to see Priory of the Orange Tree turn Ooh. into this big <laughs> fuck-off, beautiful... I mean, that's a book that's long enough to justify it. <laughs> 
850 beautiful, beautiful pages, baby. And uh, shout out to my friend who just started reading it, and she told me at dinner yesterday, she was like, oh, Layla, I almost gave up in the first 100 pages. But then I posted it on my Instagram story, and a bunch of people said they love that book, and that I remembered how much you liked it, and I pushed through, and now I'm in it to win it. I'm like, yeah, the first 100 pages are a lot, but then you can get through it, and then you have 750 more that are really good. Um, that, and then honestly, like, yeah, whatever, turn turn my webcomic into a beautiful fuck-off fantasy treatment, because... I would love to go into, you know, some beautiful hand-painted village with a bunch of, and grow a bunch of beautiful flowers over it, uh, and, and make it the beautiful self-indulgent fantasy village I always wanted it to be, with a bunch of beautiful practicals and a very, actually Lee Pace could, <laughs> a man of Lee Pace's height. Uh, could play my main character and just put him in the most beautiful velvet capes you've ever seen in your life. I think that would be delightful fun for me. I would love that very much. And if you hear me turning away from my microphone, it's because I'm realizing in real time how bad my dog is shedding now that it's April. <laughs> just trying to get the hair off of it. Poor boy. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm excited to see how our understanding of... Um of Lord of the Rings continues in, in the next couple months. I, I think our plan is to watch uh, both the the original and the Hobbits. I don't think we're probably going to do um, the Rings, uh, Amazon's Rings. What is it? I just said Rings it. of Power. Rings you of Power. Literally just said it. Probably not going to do that, but the movies at least, because those are those are pretty uh, digestible. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're definitely going to see the difference between like these and then the the Hobbits, which are like so much more cgi not nearly as much investment um and uh you know i i think i think it'll be an interesting investment both for us to see how the franchise changed and also how like the media landscape changed it um so i'm looking forward to continuing on our on our uh, epic quest to destroy the ring and learn about uh middle earth I want to be clear. VFX is a beautiful craft. Sure. VFX, VFX artists are incredibly talented artists and technicians. Right. It's just, as we always say, there's a place and a time for everything. And sometimes you need VFX. And sometimes you just need a practical puppet. Mm. Um, and I wish there was more discernment and more respect paid to both sides of those crafts. Right. No, when we criticize CGI, it's mostly because CGI is being used in place of, you know, more, uh, you know, craft people who are unionized is ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. But Layla, when we are not, um, clarifying our beliefs on how, bad labor practices are affecting the kinds of stories we can tell uh where we can, can we be found on the internet you can find me at l-e-y-l-s-e-s on twitter tumblr and instagram uh nope just twitter and tumblr <laughs> i went back to i went back 100 episodes <laughs> for some reason <laughs> i don't have instagram anymore um i am busy that's it what about you uh you can find me on twitter at erinxxl uh my Wow, I'm tired. Um, my yeah, wow. my website is aavoit.com, uh, where I talk about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. Uh, again, mortified fans will probably like the um, YouTube video I put out at aavoit on um, YouTube about um, Raina Johnny's Apocalypse Keys because I um, referenced Layla's uh, essay uh, about about uh, diaspora in it, and it's uh, it's a good one, I think. You should you should watch that if you like the show. 
Um, that was a very nice reference. Thank you very much. I felt very honored. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, if you uh, want to know about our theme song, it's Keshko. It's Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how shall we close this episode out? Well, Heron, we should finish because I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. <sighs> Amen to that. We'll see you all next week. Oh my god, we never went back to the fact that Sam... At the end, Sam fucking... The promise he makes is that he will not lose Frodo Baggins, but what he says to Frodo in the boat is, I will not leave you, Frodo Baggins. I made a promise. Interesting choice of words there, Sam. Mm, yeah. I'll tack that on at the end. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>